Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Extra Duty Podcast, where we talk about mental health. But guess what, right? So I'm not here alone today, finally, right? Look who decided to show up. Boy Pretzel. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, you're still muted. All right, what? I was literally on the last podcast. I don't remember that too much. Did, did the sir ask you specifically if you were going to be on this episode? Have you I spoken so. to you? You asked him? <laughs> he asked you about that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Not quite sure, though. So we have a sir that actually listens to the show. Hey, sir, this is for you. We love you. We care about you. Thank you for being a, a customer soon. Customer. Because we're going to start coming out with merch, and I expect money. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, you guys are wondering, right? So today I have an amazing right guest. Not guest. Guests with an S. So I have two guests coming on today, right? So we have an amazing sensation. My man's uh, uh, Brizzo, right? Or Tony. I'm going to call him Tony the entire episode. And then we got Hubert. We got two guests today, two amazing TikTok stars, two amazing leaders. Um, one is currently on um, active duty orders, and the other one is active duty. I love to introduce, let's start off with my man's Tony. What's up, Tony? What up, homie? That's it? <laughs> That's it? Let's go! <laughs> yeah. All right, Hubert. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys even... Coming on, because here's the thing, right? So I obviously am very, 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 very abusive in the sense that I continuously hit you guys up until you guys say, yes, you're going to come on the show, right? So I'm, I'm developing. I'm getting better at it. Um, so obviously, we was going to have one episode, but now I want to kind of shift the episode over because we're going to discuss how TikTok, social media in general, right, has benefited soldiers. And not only that, how has it benefited leaders to getting through to soldiers, right? And you two are very good examples of not only great leadership, but utilizing a platform to make a difference. So if I could, um, Hubert, I want to start with you. How did you start your platform? Actually, let's start with who are you? What's your job right now? What are you doing? And then we'll go same thing with Tony. How's that? All right, that works for me. Uh, I'm Sergeant First Class Hubert. I, I'm on active duty orders right now, uh, overseeing some projects overseas uh, for my unit. Um. I got a really bad memory, man. What was the second question? The second question was, give us a little bit of background on who you are, how long you've been in, things that you've done in the military. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I was active duty uh, 2001, 2005, the 1st Cavalry Division. I was a Colt platoon RTO, uh, 13 Fox, and uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom 2. Uh, I was in southern Baghdad for 12 months running operations there. Uh, I got out. Uh, right when we got back from our deployment, which actually we can talk about that later, but it, the, the process to get out of the army in 2004 was so bad. I literally got home from Iraq and I ETS 60 days later and 30 of those days I was on uh, terminal leave. No fucking way. We definitely going to yeah. talk about that later. Tony, give me a little oh. bit about you, big guy. You, you, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did you finish, Yubi? Oh, no, I'm good. Okay. All right, Tony, come on, man. What you got? Give, give me the Brizzo action. <laughs> So, uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm just privileged to be a part of this, and I appreciate it, Broski. So, number one, I've never had any military family members or anybody I can relate to, and that really hits home for me because it's rough. And I joined the, I joined the Army in 2005. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I uh, took the ASVAB, and they were all like, hey, uh, in my mind, 
I knew I had a lot more broadened horizons, but I did I didn't. And they were like, "Hey, you can be a cook or you can be infantry." And, and trust me, I, I love to cook. <laughs> Those are two options. <laughs> I, I was like, "What the hell is <laughs> what the hell is infantry?" And they're all like, "Hey, you do this, that, and the third. So I I chose that because it paralleled what I wanted to, you know, develop a skill set in. And before I know it, the day of my 18th birthday, I'm in fucking Fort Benny, Georgia, home of the infantry. <laughs> fucking uh, a reality check. I can't even put into words as far as what i endured <laughs> dog I'm it, you, it, i feel that <laughs> it baffles me but at the end of the day fucking 17 years in june it has made me a very humble person the next thing is i am from nebraska you're a corn fed boy. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the thing is this, though. Long story short, my mom was from Maine. She moved to California. I was born in California. Don't claim it because I wasn't raised there. So you're so Californian. I, to an extent. But I claimed, <laughs> but I claimed, I claimed Nebraska because Nebraska made me who I am to this day. And what is in front of you is, and I'm a firm believer that everything, every, everything happens for a reason. So when I signed that delayed entry contract, did I know that 17 years later, I was going to be in front of you talking, let alone fucking preaching? No, 1000% not, but it just mind boggles the shit out of me because I am part of this great, great foundation, let alone fucking establishment we call the United States Army. And I get to pray, I get I get to fucking just do my thing. Hey, that that right there, that's that's the that you're right. I mean when I first when you was talking about Benning, I mean, like, I remember when I first got to Benning. So if you, I was an infantry guy beforehand, um, if you don't know Brazil. But when I got to Benning, I was like, man, this ain't shit. And then everything happened all at once. Everything. Every single thing. And I was just like, man, this is a wake-up call. I was a piece of shit. I was a, I was a bad kid. I was a bad kid. And... No, it, it's I'm I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy both of you guys is here because obviously you guys have made it very far. You guys are both starting first classes, and I'm talking to you guys like you your, your friends, right? Because this is my platform, so I say what goes. Um, no, but I mean, I got something to say real quick. Bring it. What what you got, Brazil? Your introduction was so much better than mine. It's <laughs> unreal. Do you want uh, a redo? We can give you a redo. And I, I'm a I'm nah, a bro, post, just... I'm a I'm a post first start. I get looked at for Sergeant Major this year, so thanks, Extra Podcast. Appreciate you. I got you. I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm here for you. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about the social media side because we know that social media has been one of the um, how do we say it? The the antipathis antithesis. That's a, that's a that's a that's a that's a, that's a that's a bicep word, right? 
<laughs> so it's been the antithesis of the military's like ass right now because they don't know what exactly what to do and what to censor them um, when it comes down yeah. to talking about, you know? Um, yeah. But obviously we have vet pros that try to do that for us. True or false? <laughs> One thousand. One thousand. So obviously, you know, we, we were content creators. We sit here and we, we work our asses off to make this stuff happen. But you guys have utilized it in a better way than a lot of other people and a lot of other leaders. Right. You guys have used it to get to your soldiers and just the, the, the amount of information that you guys put out, the amount of jokes. Right. And, and we understand the comedy is all there. Right. But how has it benefited you as a leader to get on the same level as these soldiers when it comes to social media? I think I'll that like first. Go ahead, bro. No, you go. Send it. You Hubert, you go. His intro was better. You got to come up with a good answer. Like a half hour. No, <laughs> okay. I, I, I literally think what it is, is like uh, I, when I first looked at TikTok, like I, there was like no military, you know what I mean? Like you create like a, a for you page or whatever based off of videos that you like. So I wasn't like connected with anybody. And then I started like watching videos of people doing shit. And I'm like, yo, I, I think, I think I'm funny. My wife doesn't think I'm funny, but I do. I'm like, I think I could do some stuff and like, you know what I mean? Get in with soldiers. And that's a lot of my stuff. You see me make fun of reserve drill sergeants. Like I was a reserve drill sergeant. So literally uh, a lot of times I just make fun of it. And the people who have been to that active duty know them as like people that come in for like two or three weeks and then they just disappear. And they're like, where the hell did Joel Sergeant Hubert go? And they're like, oh, he went back to his home state. He's a reservist. Wow, whatever. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but a, a lot of it, like the videos I make, like where I work, I made, I made that video. Like, if you ain't at the river, where the fuck you at? And yeah. I was like, I'm at fucking drill. <laughs> so we had, uh, like, we had battle assembly. And I walked into HHC in my unit. And this, this E4 passes me. And she kind of like looks at me and I looked at her like, wait, what are you staring at? Anyways, and she she goes, hey. And I looked at her and she peeks her head around the corner and she goes, I'm a fucking drill. <laughs> and dude, I lost my shit. And everybody in HHC is like, what the hell is she talking about? I was like, oh, she's not talking about anything, guys. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I didn't want anybody to know at that time. I don't really give a fuck now because I don't do anything bad. But I think like... Uh, when I was in the army, when I was on active duty, like if you saw an E7, like you were like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like you just, yeah. there was a stigma that probably came with him that like E7, E8, E9, they were just assholes. I was, I, when I was a private, I was more scared of like the E4s. I've never seen an oh, yeah. E5 or an E6 or an E7 until like it was time to work. But like That's I was right. horrified. Yeah, you're an E1, and you get, like, six E4s come up to you, and they're like, what's up, punk? And you're like, oh, shit, what did I just join? You know what I mean? But I think people watching us, and, like, I've had people messaging me, like, we're normal people, and we're fun people. Like, and I just think, especially with the kids nowadays, the people that come in the Army aren't the ones that want us to be in their face, want them, want us to make them do everything. We will not be on that level whatsoever. We will not get through to these kids. But if we could show them at a level that we're the same as them and we have a sense of humor and we're actual human fucking beings, I think that helps out a lot. Oh, that right there. You're 100% right about that. And just like the Dirty Bird always says, you know, rehumanize the military, um, rehumanize the rank. Mm -hmm. For a while, ours was uh, 
rehumanized the military. That's what we did for a while, and then Dirty Bird stole it and changed it. Um, don't tell him I said that though. Um, did he copyright it? Uh, look, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here. I'm and, calling him. Uh, look, first I'm thing, calling right we now. don't have to call anybody. I'm calling no first arm. First thing, we don't. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, like, hey, yo, he's slandering. He's slandering. <laughs> but shame it, on your name. It, it's it's just that that understanding of getting on the same level. Because you're right, we're not going to be like my drill sergeant kicked me in the chest. He's punched me in the face. I've been jumped by drill sergeants and NCOs and stuff like that. And that's how it worked back then. But now we can't do that shit, right? And now it comes down to how can we get on the level with the soldiers? Because people first is what's what's been taking over. And you guys have right. definitely been doing people first. And and Hubie, thank you so much for saying that. Hey, Brizzo, what you think? Yeah, man? for sure. So my thing is this, when I joined the army, I had no family members, no generations, no reliability or extensions to be like, hey, this is what to anticipate. And I signed the late entry contract in January of 2005, and then two weeks after I graduated, the day of my 18th birthday is my enlistment date. And when I tell you, there are like, you know, the 30th AG for stories for the infantrymen, and they're like, hey, when you go downrange for the recycles and what they try to do, like, legitimately, I'll tell you like this. <clears throat> When I got downrange, it was a fucking god shell shock. Sergeant First Class Will was our senior drill sergeant in Foxtrot 119, second platoon. This man did not give two shits about anything and this man is the serious version the fucking vietnam veteran version of dave chappelle is what he looked like <laughs> and he, first introduction to the army and when i tell you he spilt blood he spilt fucking blood and i'm all like dude fuck this like Take this shit. I'm going to go back to Nebraska and sling drugs. Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Take this and put it in your back pocket. And after three weeks of him being our senior drill sergeant, he made the E8 list. And he went to 219. And we got a new senior drill sergeant. And legitimately the next thing that came from where we were at was the battle march and shoot in the infantry and in one one nineteen, we won it and he came back and even him being an e8 first sergeant in charge of a different battalion now in a basic training company he came back and he clapped his hands and it was like i'm proud of you guys mad dogs that's what we were mad dog and like as we were cleaning our weapons he, he you know he had his q-tips too 
and you know taking a lower upper receiver from a private and just bullshitting with us and we saw the real hand and like my thing is like i've seen the face of so many different before i even joined the military so like i didn't need to know what suck was because i had already been through the suck and a lot of people pass judgment on uh a lot of other states in the united states knowing that you had a rough life but like i was raised in nebraska and it wasn't a good childhood my mom she raised five kids by herself and the amount of way that was on our shoulders coming up it taught us a lot of lessons learned to become an an adult but like one thing it didn't do is i couldn't be an innocent i couldn't be an innocent kid and it happens everywhere in the united states you know i'm saying not taking it away but like one thing i really wanted to do growing up is play basketball I love, I love basketball and I'm fucking good at it. And I was always a track star before the fucking song came out, you know, but like legitimately that's what I wanted to do. And my mom was all like, nah, dog, you're about to, I'm about to put that ass to work. Um, you're about to help pay these bills and, you know, God bless her soul. She passed away last year, but you know, it taught me a lot of morals um, growing up that essentially I didn't feel selfish about, but like my kids will never have to worry about it because of what the military has done for me. And I wanted to, I wanted to play college ball. Like I didn't know anything about Duke, but Duke, I loved Duke. I loved Duke. And I watched them when Battier, Battier was a superstar for Duke when I was growing up and I wanted to be just like Battier from Duke College and I wanted to play ball and like it made me so mad it made me so mad that I would never be afforded that opportunity and then I wanted to be a Marine an Army recruiter I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry first thing hear me no, no one wants to be a fucking Marine, right? And well, honestly, Tar Heels uh, all the way, just got to say that. What'd you say? Tar Heels all the way. Tar Heels all the way. That's, that's how you go and that's how you feel? <laughs> so then the next thing that happened was, it's because I didn't know anything about any branch of service because none of my family members had ever, ever even poked at the fact. So when Sergeant First Class Dust and Staff Sergeant Johnson Dust was a, a infantryman and Johnson was a tanker, and this man was way ahead of his knowledge base when it came to expertise in the military. So, you know, he's like, "Come to this, fucking do this practice, do this um, fucking physical event." And my thing is. I was raised by, I don't know who my dad is. First and foremost, I'm a twin brother. He's a minute older than me. His name's Adam. His username is not Brizo. And I, uh, I fucking spread out his account for a little bit, but like 
my thing was there was never any quantifying ex- in my life to put on the table to be like, okay, well, you had this choice, that choice, and the third. My twin brother is an introvert, and he's 1,000%. You guys know how I am, fucking, you know, team fucking Brizo. I am not. I, I love an active conversation, just being down and just enjoying what is going on. You can't rely Common- down. <laughs> Um, so if you if you don't mind i kind of want to ask hubert something hubie um so when you when you first started with your career and stuff like that did you go through the same thing that brizzo here went through well man to be completely honest with you i was i was like 19 when i joined uh i was i was lost as fuck man uh i was hanging out with wrong people and i remember uh I was all, I, I wasn't all hot. I was, I was on ecstasy and I walked back to my mom's house in socks when it was raining in like shorts. And I walked to my mom's house and she's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, what? And she goes, Nick, you got to do something. Let's go join the army. And I think I did it because at that time I was so fucked up. I wasn't thinking right. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, but we went to. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> "Fuck, you really take it? You took you took the cake." <laughs> no, man. So we we went to the recruiter. I signed up, and I was gone in four days. You know what? I, so I think I was in the same boat. Um, because I, you know, obviously I went infantry, but like I was like, I think I left a month afterwards because it was like we were a little backed up in something, but it was just like, yeah, it was quick, it was fast. Thank God. Yeah. Do you, do you regret I mean, it? Like. <laughs> No, bro, not at all. Not, not one fucking bit. Like Brizzo, I mean, I, I I knew who my dad was, but my dad was never there. He was always like an hour and a half away, but I don't even know what the fuck happened with him and his mom, or my mom. But like, my mom was a single parent, you know what I mean? And I, I went through the same shit. I was lost. No one, my uncle was in the Navy, but I, I mean, that doesn't really count, I don't think, right? No, it doesn't, because he was um, a seaman, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, look, I fell on the water. Oh, look, I can swim. I'm fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, joining joining the Army, man, was the greatest thing. I was so lucky to be in a platoon my whole four years. And my platoon sergeant, Sergeant First Class Brister, who retired as the first sergeant, was the greatest man I've ever met in my entire life. And I love him to this day, and I still see him. And it's, it's fucking amazing, bro. I wouldn't take this shit back for nothing. So let me, let me ask you guys something. I mean, you guys can answer however you see, you know what? No, Hubie first, then Brizzle. Cause that's how I see you guys on my monitor. Um, so, so real quick, um, with your social media, right? Obviously you got, you got, you got seen, you got, um, you got noticed right when you first made your first one and stuff like that. So how has your social medias benefited you with not only just like soldiers, but your leadership in general? Cause we all know leadership is definitely, one of those things we have to worry about, especially when it comes down to social media. So where were you at with it? Uh, I mean, uh, as far as my social media, like, like I said before, like I, I, I want to interact with soldiers on like a level that they're going to be at. Like I said before, they're, they want people like us. You know what I mean? No, Not people yeah. that are going to go on TikTok and talk shit and make like stupid videos. Like some of these people do about sexual harassment and you know what I mean? Like shit that I watch some videos 
and I could just comment like, bro, you're going to get this taken away from us. Yes. Because of just. Yo, I don't know. I think some of, some of us was coming at this one kid and I, and I had to like pull him aside for a second. Um, he was like saying some wild shit. Oh, all my content, whatever the fuck. I forgot whose video it was, but I made a video on it. I was like, look, let me explain to you what does not represent the DOD stands for, right? When you actually say right. does not represent the DOD, that means, right? This is exactly what it means. It means that the content you are making is satire, right? You're not making shit that's disrespectful to the military. You're making shit that's funny about the military or you're talking, you're making it, having an actual discussion. You can't come to any place with a problem and no solution. And when you come with a problem and just complain about the problem, you're complaining and you're disrespecting. And that's how it works. And some of these kids don't understand that. And that's what scares me because then if we lose our, if we lose our platform, right, to help soldiers because it's been more beneficial than toxic. But if we lose that platform, how else are we going to get to these soldiers? We got to move with the times. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. We had a shark class and the video, I, I briefly saw the video, but it was like, some guy in a stall, like getting an award or something like that. And it got taken down now, but he was making a comment about females, like getting an award from her first sergeant. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but they brought it up at the sharp meeting. They're like, if you guys don't think people are looking, people are looking. And I try to create my platform around like, if I was a Colonel or something like, and looked at my stuff, like, ah, Hubert's Hubert's, doing some funny stuff like and people contact him and give him they give him workout advice or how to, what's it like being a drill sergeant what's basic training like like i'm not saying i'm the greatest thing ever but i do have a lot of knowledge when it comes to that because i've been on both sides as a private and as a drill sergeant you know what i mean no yeah i 100% understand that and that and that's really where the, that's where that miscommunication comes from that's where that just that that understanding between soldiers and leaders and then like how we're, how we're like representing ourselves because we represent ourselves just fine because we, we, the idea of professional, like the reason why my platform works is because there's no professionalism in, in mental health, right? The reason why right. your platform works is because professionalism is still there yet you're respecting the content that you are doing is still funny, even though it's not, it's not disrespectful. And that's, yeah, that, that's, that's really where it's about like shit. Mental health is a big, big thing for me, man. Hey, and, so, and let me get Brizzle's answer from this last question, right? And then I want to dig into you guys' mental health for a bit. Hey, you can you can dig. That's what to say is like let's fucking let's fucking send it. Like let's go. All right, Brizzle, you, you're first then. So look, so obviously you've been in the military 17 years. You've gone through some shit, right? And we we all know that we've gone through some shit, whether it be deployments or or personal stuff. And it it, it really comes down to the personal shit because we know what happens during deployments. We know we get some people have PTSD, some people can't sleep. This, that, and the third. What I really want to know is the effects, right? So I want to know about what has it caused you? What have you lost since you've been in the military? Because we all have gained tons. What have you lost? So deep, bro. All right. So first thing, so I'm divorced twice. Um, That's why you're going to make first sergeant and sorry, major. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. I think it's the a, next, like a requirement in your packet. Yeah, it's There's a requirement. Three. Like your packet must have two divorces in it. <laughs> and that's, oh, that's fuck it. I got to get divorced. That's what they said. So like <laughs> first things first, I am I am happily married. I am married to just like fucking like it's crazy. I can go just off on another venture 
when it comes to military perspective, because in a 60 second nutshell, not to divert from that question, but the thing is this, when I got married the first time, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I got married very young and I'm very cordial with my first ex-wife and she is an amazing human being that like I cherish our friend, our friendship. When I got married the second time, it was everything that I wanted to apply in my first relationship from lessons learned and got completely taken advantage of. 1,000% knowing that I wish I would have applied this in the first round, but it's just how shit goes. But no hard feelings or anything. I try to be cordial. And then I told myself I would never marry another service member. And then I found her. And when I tell you being, I turned 35 this year. And when I tell you just fucking I can't even fathom the words of what this woman means to me. And being an adult, despite kids or no kids, relationships, no relationships, like when I tell you like this, this woman is beyond anything that I deserve. And she chose me. She fucking chose me. And like, this shit is deep because like, every time I look at her, knowing that you guys know my personality, you guys know my trends, you guys know my comical character. Like, let me just, let me just like give her 60 seconds because like, this this woman like this woman broski's like i can't live without her i i found it and i am so grateful that i like i am graced with her presence and just to be in her coexistence knowing that I wish everybody can feel what true love feels like, let alone to be in a relationship with somebody that just loves you so fucking dearly. Yo, and Red, Red is a so upset. We love you. We love you, Red. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to defer, but like, this woman, Mrs. Ambrose, I, I cannot talk enough about her, broski. She, this this woman, like, I will fucking do backflips. Hey, how long y'all been married, if you don't mind me asking? Bro, prove it. You can't do a backflip. <laughs> no balls, pussy. You won't do it. <laughs> no balls. Oh, you know what? If you... Oh, come on. <laughs> 
I think that counts. All right, that counts. We'll, we'll give it to you. We'll, we'll give you. You get. You know what? I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to divert from that, but just like anytime I can give this woman appreciation or self appreciation, like you earned them brownie points. Somebody gonna get butt when they get home. I don't. I don't need brownie points, but like, like, fuck. I got married my first time at 18 years old. And I have a lot growing to do. I did. It was right during the highlight of the rise of the Iraqi war. And you want to know what? One thing I learned from myself is this. I was not ready to be married. And what the military did mentally to me is create the goddamn Sylvester Stallone Rambo. And I hate them for that, but I love them for that because I wouldn't be here present day of them investing all that money in me to make me who I am. But I'm just, 10,000% 10,000% grateful that I have an amazing woman that I have a mutual relationship with that understands. Shit. I, hey, Hubert, I'm going to tell you this right now, buddy. You you got to come in. You got to come in clutch because he's beating Wait. you. No, I still got a question, though. Oh, what's your question, Yo, man? How long you been married to this woman? So I met my current wife at Bragg. Ooh. Over <laughs> a little over two years ago and we got married in November. I promised myself I would never, never marry another service member. But the thing is I gave it a chance and I will say without a doubt, like, I can't even fathom words to just put them to you guys just saying that she's my person. Yeah, but how long have you been married? I've been married yeah, since... You still never said that, bro. <laughs> married since... I told you guys, you just, you just want to open oh, your November. ears. Oh, yeah. I've been well, since November. Yeah, like, it so, sounds like you really didn't meet the one because she left you speechless for, like, the fa- past five minutes. She was trying to explain yeah, it to Yeah, like, us. damn. <laughs> I, I, I told you guys, like, I can't even I can't even fathom words about what this woman is just, fuck. <laughs> so, that's that. <laughs> so... So now that we, we, we've, we've obviously heard this woman like 90,000 times. So actually, Brizzo, we're actually going to title this episode, This Woman, <laughs> um, just because. Um, so Hubert, let's, let's get to you, buddy, right? So get, give me the down and dirty, because obviously we get the fun, we get the interesting, we get the, the leader, right? But we got to know, we got to go a little deeper, man. Who are you? Let's talk about you. All right, man, we can go deep. All right, can you hear me okay? Sorry, my uh, wife or my Wi-Fi, my fucking shit disconnected. No, you're good. We hear you perfect. And by the way, for that first thing, that's uh, what she said. (laughs) Uh, Although I don't share the same enthusiasm about my wife that uh, Brizzo does. um, No, Ah. I'm totally just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally just kidding. Uh, I mean, I'll get get down to the nitty gritty, bro. When I got home from... uh, 
Iraq in 2005, like I said, uh, I, I, I didn't have time to process what the fuck had just happened that last year. You know what I mean? I'm not downplaying uh, people's deployments and stuff, but at the beginning of the uh, Iraq war, it, it was a lot different than the deployments later on, uh, later on in the late teens. You know what I mean? And man, I got home and I was fucked up. I was living in my mom's uh, one bedroom apartment, sleeping on her couch. I was stealing her painkillers all the time. I wasn't sleeping. I was drinking. I was now I, I was I was really fucked up. And uh, I went to a birthday party and uh, I saw this girl there. And uh, I was like, yo, who's that? And my buddy's like, Oh, that's Jessica. I was like, oh, Jessica from high school, who used to date my best friend in high school, who was supposed to join the army with me. And she talked him out of it like a day before we were supposed to leave. Wow. And then I ended up marrying his girlfriend. So I, I think I won that one. Yeah, like, no, twice. Totally. But yeah, yeah, go army anyways. Navy. <laughs> go army yeah, right. Navy. <laughs> um, but it was it, it was struggle and then when I found Jessica, it was like, it gave me something like something else. You know what I mean? Something to put my focus on to not just sit there and wallow in my sorrows, like a fucking idiot, like the way I was doing for the previous six or seven months when I got home. Shit. And, uh, I told her right away, we, we would probably dating for a week. And I go, uh, I want to, I want to have a family. And mind you, like we knew each other growing up in high school. We knew each other like our whole lives. We just didn't know each other that way. She always thought I was a fucking dork in high school and I didn't really know her. But uh, she told her friend when I came home from Iraq, she saw me at the bar and was like, oh, who's that? And I was like, yeah, I just came back from deployment. And, uh, she was uh, She was pregnant within four months and uh my boys got super swimmers <laughs> yeah and then uh i asked her to marry me about a year later and uh i got home from drill sergeant school uh april 30th of 2010 and we got married may 3rd of 2010 oh, so wow. i wasn't there for for any of the planning or anything like that you know what i mean oh wow that's that's crazy that's uh, a damn speed mm-hmm. run. yeah i mean that was a whole speed yeah. run you you went in and out I mean, literally, yeah. in and out. <laughs> and then we had, we had another boy. Oh shit! I lied. We didn't get married in 2010. It was 2008. Oh, she gonna fuck Ooh, your yeah, ass she up. gonna she gonna whoop she you. Gonna fuck you up in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we edit? Can we edit the podcast? So yeah, you know what? So, you know what the crazy thing like is? Clip that out. So the the <laughs> so just so you guys know, the entire podcast itself is completely unedited. This is just nonstop. <laughs> fuck yeah! We're, we'll tell you. All right, time we'll just marks, keep it. So you can just we'll, skip it. She listens to it. We'll keep it going raw. Um, and I, I've definitely struggled with a lot of shit. And uh, kept- my wife has definitely been there and understood and helped me with a lot of stuff. And so have my two sons. So a lot of stuff, a and- lot of stuff. I love when we say a lot of stuff, right? Because we're, we're ignoring what we're supposed to be saying. So that, what, what, yeah, what a lot right. of stuff? Right. Um, uh in 2005, December 30th, uh, 2004, I'm sorry, uh, a VBIED blew up right next to me when I was in the back of a Bradley. And it blew the top hatch open. 
And uh, if my voice gets a little shaky, I get a little excited when I talk about this shit, but it's, it, it's not bothering me. I just, it, you know what I mean? I relive the moment and I just get really excited. But anyways, um, I, I wasn't fucked up. Like my hand was fucked up. Like I knew my head was fucked up. I blacked out and shit. And uh, I, what happened that day was the, the driver in the TC they got medevac. They asked me if I wanted to be medevac, and I said no because we were getting on, we were getting ready to go on a mission. We were supposed to raid this fucking house where there was supposed to be like fifty enemy fighters. Like shit was gonna go down, and I'm like, "There's no way I'm not going on this fucking mission." So I declined medevac. Um, like I said, my injuries, I didn't have any like shrapnel or anything with me, but the there was two five hundred pound uh, bombs in the back of this car. And uh, it almost flipped over the Bradley, the top hatch that was latched fucking blew open. Like I, I still get ringing in my ears every fucking day. Like I still see it every day. And I never got medevaced and we went on the mission. And of course we kick in the door to the house and there's nobody fucking there. You know what I mean? Like the guys that were supposed to be there lit off the VBIED to stop us en route. And then uh, the, yeah, the other one that I think about a lot is I was always in the top hatch, right? I was a gunner. And when we would roll around Southern Baghdad, I always stood up. Whether it was like just in the middle of the Humvee or on the strap, like to get even higher so I can use my M4 or my uh, 249 instead of my 240. And one day I woke up and I told my driver, I was like, yo, bro, let's switch. Every once in a while we would switch. And uh, we were driving down the road and uh, two IEDs went off next to us and uh, it killed uh, a guy and two kids. And we weren't fucked up at all, which I, I still don't know how the fuck that didn't happen. It was two one five five rounds within 10 feet striking distance of our vehicle. And uh, we got out, we did all of our shit and EOD came and he was like, man, he goes to the, the gunner, one of my, my buddy, my driver. And he goes, dude, you're a lucky motherfucker. And my buddy goes, why? And he goes, were you sitting down when the VBIDs or when the IEDs went off? And he said, yeah. And he goes, they placed them wrong. One of them blew away from the vehicle and one of them blew up at a 45 degree angle Holy shit. towards the gunner's hatch. And he's like, dude, if you were standing up, like we wouldn't be talking, you'd be fucking gone. He was about to get and then here's cats. me. Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like, who's the fucking dumbass who fucking stands up in the turret. Every time we drive down the goddamn fucking road, you know what I mean? It was me. And, uh, I, Man, sometimes I think about that shit, bro, and it it really fucks with me. And like, it, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, but, but it, it's okay. It's okay to say that, right? And, and the reason why I say yeah, that, yeah, for sure, because like a lot of the time we don't we we sit here and we talk about these hero stories and shit. Yeah, it's fucking cool. The soldiers eat that shit up, but we're not really talking about the impact, right? That yeah. impact, because the concussion, the physical aspect is fine. However, you walked away from that shit. But, like, really sitting here and actually understanding what you went through and to sit there and feel every bit of that, that changes. That changes anybody. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for even, like, being able to speak that, right? Speak about that and and 
be fully coherent. Like I, I, I thank you for that. You can like, and it's funny when you talk about it, I don't know if Brizzo has this or if he's ever experienced something, but like the sounds, the smell, like everything just comes back to you. And, and the reason and I'll be honest with you, like the reason I don't go to the VA and like when I've tried to talk to psychologists in the past, they're like, you need to talk about this and move on from this. And the reason I won't do it is because I don't want to lose the feeling that I get when I talk about it. You know what I mean? Because it's a part of me. And if I talk to people and eventually let this shit go, like it scares the shit out of me that I'll never remember the things that I actually went through to be able to talk to people and experience with people with mental health that shows like you can have a lot of problems, man, but you can fucking get past this shit. And, and I don't that, know what I mean? That yeah, no, hundred percent. That part right there, you being able to get get through it, and a lot of the time, a lot of people want to say that that's survivor's guilt, right? And we all know what survivor's guilt is. You you know you survive, so you feel bad about it, and you don't you want to put all that weight on yourself. But for you, it seems like it's something different. Like it's a way to help other people, like to discuss that, to openly say what you experienced and the, the things that you're experiencing now, even just by talking about it. So that yeah. that that's it. That's exactly what we need. We need that that confirmation, that conversation about it. I, and shit, you know what? I think I got to thank you for being here. I'm glad that you're still alive, but I have to ask you both a serious, serious, serious question. Have you, either of you attempted or have thought about suicide? Let's start with Brizzo. So 1000%. Yes. I would say walk me through it. So when you meet the wrong person (laughs) and I talk about my ex is she'd be like, Oh, you're in the fucking walk-in closet with a six pack, just fucking with your back against the door, just trying to, you know, quantify your existence. She called it. I'm all like, (laughs) like, you know, like, quantify your existence please elaborate to me what quantify my existence is and i would put it in the realm of this everybody and when it comes to a lot of your significant others they want to know the dark side but meeting the dark side entails a lot of things. They're like, no, I'm done. I'm like, the floodgates are open. What do you want to do in this moment in time? The floodgates are open. I am vulnerable right now. I need you more than what I need anything in my life right now. Just talking about this, that, and the third. And (laughs) that shut me down 1,000%. Hey, Hubert, I'm I'm sorry. Hubert, you were having like a physical reaction there. You all right, buddy? What's that? You were were kind of shaking there. Are you all right? Oh, no, I'm good. I told you, man, I start talking about this shit, and then I just get like really antsy and excited. But I'm 100% good. I might go do a shot just to fucking calm down. Okay, I, I just wanted to make sure. 
Um, yeah, just, keep going, Brizzo. No, but I mean, like, I, I, I haven't been in the place that he's talking about, like, per se, like, in a closet. But, like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, people want to know. But when mm-hmm. you start talking about it, they don't want to fucking know nope. anymore. Nope. And you're like, nope. listen, motherfucker, you asked me a question, and now you're going to hear the whole goddamn thing. And, and that's what it's... Freak the fuck and, out. Exactly. No, hey, yo, you're fine. And that's this is this way I want you to do that. Freak the fuck out. Because you know what? When people ask that fucking question, they get all upset about it. And, and when you mm-hmm. actually fully extend and, and show yourself, then they shut your shit down. And you know what? Fully. I want you to express that. 100%. Hell yeah. Yeah, finish your finish your shit, Rizzo. So my thing is like this is like I've been through a lot of fucking shit. And I don't put that weight on nobody. But at the same time, I still look back even modern day to be like, I ain't better than nobody else. But like when when I was out of my first marriage and thought I became a man to confide in a woman that I respected, it was like IED blasted in my face. And like, that's like legitimately the most vulnerable I've been in my life to be like, how can you love a person so much to where they look at you like you're a fucking monster? And it was a lot. It was so much to me because I confided in this woman and she's like, no, stop. And like, I wanted to just immediately regress and and just like get out of the situation because it was like you're my person and for you to pass judgment on me and I've had kids with you and so on and so forth and I was just all like fuck like what do I do right now what do what, what do like I'm at a moment in my life where I'm on whatever tower of a thimble, just, just be like, like what, do, what do I do right now in this instance? And she played the card of, I can't do this. And it was the most... I can't even fathom words of just like the (laughs) one of the women that I just, I looked up to that I thought was real, that I thought like could, could, could carry could carry my burden and she was fake and she was fake and when i brought that in front of her her reaction was nothing nothing 
her eyes were wide open in judgment of her own. And I just, I was just like, I don't give a fuck that you're from Chicago. I don't give a fuck you had a rough life. I don't give a fuck that, like, you been through this, been through that, the third, so on and so forth. But for you to pass judgment on your own husband, when he just tried to open the floodgates to you to bring him into his realm, like, it cut me deeper than anything I'd, I'd ever been part of in my, in, in, in my life. And that's when I felt like just fake for the first time in my life, in, in, like in my, in my life. And it sucked. It sucked. 10,000%. Wow. So obviously that's something that's that's still there with you. Um, One thousand. Like, has you have you spoken to your wife about that? Your current wife? Uh, yeah. One thousand percent. Yes. Yes. Fuck, man. Look, well, I think I I, I gotta say I thank you guys for even just opening up about that, dude. Like, that's a huge deal. When when I say that. Meeting somebody who plays a role and for her to experience it tenfold that she hasn't experienced, for them to be like, I'm done talking, I don't want to talk about this anymore, is one of the most demoralizing just approaches and efforts to be a significant other and when you felt comfortable at your most vulnerable time to open up, it's deep. Let, let me ask you something. Is your wife currently right now, is she your support system? Uh, no. Okay. Do you have a support system? 1,000%, bro. Uh, Huber, how about you? You got a support system right now? I don't, I don't practice what I don't preach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody that I was in Iraq with, we're all in a group chat. We talk all the time. Um, I don't, I don't really, uh, my wife knows we don't necessarily go there. But she doesn't understand that makes the full sense. effect. Yeah. She just doesn't understand well, it's really. Right. But if, if every once in a while I'll freak out and like, not have an episode, but I like want to talk about shit and I like get upset at like the VA or like the way, you know what it means? Shit's going down and then she'll talk to me. And she's like, I understand, like talk about it, Nick. And I will for like a minute. And then I just stop. Cause I'm like, well, it's pointless. Nothing against you, but like, I can't talk to you. Like, yeah, (laughs) you go upstairs. I'm going to go call my old platoon sergeant or my buddy you know what I mean? And I'll talk to him for a minute because it's two o'clock in the morning and I know he'll fucking answer the phone. Yeah. I mean, and and that that's really what it comes down to. Like we have this selective amount of people that we can really talk about it. And that's why that's where my trouble sits with the VA, especially the VA therapist, because a lot of them are civilians. Some of them aren't even military. Dude. 
Um, don't even get me started. With those don't believe me. I'm not because we're running out of time. But here's what we're going to do. We're obviously going to have another episode with both of you again. Obviously, separate ones as well, because I definitely want to get more info on both of you. But because we're running out of time right now, what I am going to say is that you two are phenomenal leaders. That's number one. Number two, you guys are extremely strong for being able to come on this show and open up the way that you guys did to a, to an E5. Uh, I'm just a regular old sergeant. And but, E4. And E4. And, and whatever she is, because corporals oh, don't Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? But yep. but it, it's about real conversation, right? It does not matter what rank is. When you come on this show, it's about who you are as a person. It's about Tony and Nick and Joshua and, and, and Blake and Red sometimes. But... <laughs> It's it's just open dialogue and it's open communication. This communication right here between you and I, right? The fact that you can do this shows other and other soldiers, other young leaders, that they can come to you and have this conversation as well. So if you guys are listening out there and you need some help, you know you can contact the Extra Duty Podcast. But you have two other leaders here that will answer as, as any questions that you do have, um, and will be open. Um, guys. I know, I, you know, I know today's episode got cut a little bit short, but my name is Josh Maria, and I'm the host and creator of the Extra Duty Podcast, and I am signing out of Extra Duty. My name is Boy Pretzel, and I am signing out of Extra Duty. <laughs> it's Breezo627, Master name Breeze, let's go. <laughs> you got to say I'm signing out of Extra Duty. <laughs> I'm signing out of Extra Duty. <laughs> I'm Sergeant Hubert, and I'm signing off extra duty because I paid attention to what we were supposed to say. Nah. <laughs> well, guys, listen to my music because somebody made it for me. Kay. Okay.